Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitarist or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hello, David. I am in a lot of pain. <laughs> I am too. Seriously. I literally just got done. There's a room behind me uh, uh-huh. doing the floor. Yep. And my body feels like a roadmap of pain. <laughs> I, I, so I scrubbed my floors today. And uh, hey, so yeah. I was on my uh, – literally on my hands and knees yep. all day. You need some knee pads too for that. Oh, God. I should have – I should have bought some. I mean, I had a face mask and I had, you know, eye protection and oh, it just nothing was enough. Well, literally nothing was enough. I need to close. I have my work email open. It's it's distracting me. And, I so I had uh, uh, like I said. So everybody, this is the week uh, Neil Pert passed. Yep, and uh, it was pouring out for your hobby. Yep. Um, I I literally can't stay on Facebook for more than like two or three minutes. It's yeah, because it's like people just sharing stuff about it all the time. And like, oh, that's fine. It's the group. Uh, it's the group fine. Thing. I get it. Some people, everybody grieves differently. It's just. Yeah, it's the group morning thing. I got it. Yeah. It's just hard for me because it was, it was bigger than um, a celebrity. Right, so. right, right. Uh, so. Uh, I wonder what happens to uh to uh Alex Lifeson and uh, Getty Lee from here. Yeah, that's, that's actually the most interesting part of the story is that they he wasn't even the founding member of Rush. No, um, no. which is not like to say that his he has any less importance to, to that man, but I'm just because they because they kind of split up before his his uh untimely passing, and uh, it's I I've kind of wondered if they would soldier on and do something else like under a different name, but really continue to work together i think that the the hardest part of it is if if i was getty lee or alex lifeson they've always been the whole band has always been a class act and to have one of the i mean even though he wasn't a founding member one of the earliest members and they always called him the new guy which was funny on so many levels um yeah he, because- 
I mean, he he joined after the second album, right? I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. And so 40 years later, whenever he was still the new guy. And um, so anyway, when uh, I watched that last video, you know, I, I knew I, I went to that final tour. I went to the last few tours um, and I had seen them in Presto and uh, moving pictures and signals. And, um, so to see. Um, the announcement and to see the show, I knew it was the end. It was the end. And I don't know if they really want to get back at it. I mean, you got to wonder if they're going to do anything because if they did. Um, it's going to be compared. Right. It's always going to be compared because some people, somebody mentioned today uh, that um, a, a rumor that Portnoy might be involved. If they, I, I can see like that, that happening, but but to be completely honest with you, um, I, I I feel like those guys would be better off going solo at this point. Yeah, and, I mean, and really, well, just because music's in their blood, like nobody expects them to stop. I mean, right? I mean, uh, Lifeson has been producing other people. Um, he admitted uh, that towards the end of Rush, he was having trouble doing the solos because of his arthritis. Um, and uh, I don't think. I don't think uh, um, Getty Lee is that well. Last I saw him, he was doing an interview where he was talking about the, um, uh, you know, his mother um, and going through uh, her going through um, the the whole um, thing with Germany and the Holocaust and everything. Right. And he's been so busy. I mean, he released a book about bases it's it's i don't have it because it's two hundred dollars but um i would i would definitely buy one you know if i found one used in a used bookstore or something but anyway um uh, he uh he's been doing that and um Lyson has been talking about how he has been producing other people um but while getty was on that show in the last couple of interviews i've seen with him he was wearing something up around his neck each time, like there was something going on that he was hiding because he had like a, a, a scarf that was just a little too high. And at first I thought it was because of the cold, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Yeah. I mean, the jury's still out on uh, Eddie Van Halen as well. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it could be anything at this point. They, it might even just be a neck injury that he's trying to hide. Uh, yeah, he may be wearing a brace under there. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, uh, you know, obviously, uh, our you know, uh, positive vibes go out to the you know the family and all that, and of course yep. the band themselves. Because I, because I mean, when you're at that level and you're that close to your bandmates, I mean, that's they're your family too. So um, hopefully, you know, this is the end of uh, music from from uh, the two of them. Um, yeah. So, anyway. Yep. Um, that's that's the important stuff. That's the important news that happened this week. Uh, and and I I have seen I have some, seen some people like seriously. Why are we making a big deal out of this? And yeah. I I would have slapped those people. I'm like, you don't get it, do you? Yeah. It and it's okay if you don't get it. It it's okay, but don't get don't don't get frustrated get, for the people that do. Right. Right. That's what I was trying to say. Don't don't get frustrated with the people that that it reaches right and it i'm not a drummer yeah and and i 
And yeah, I watched all of his uh, his videos. I watched all the interviews he ever did. I was uh, I was a total consumer of Neil Peart because I always wondered how a guy could be so poetic. You know, he was his his lyrics. I mean, you have to give Getty all the credit in the world for shoving so much information into such you yeah. know a relatively short amount of time. Um, and uh, he always seemed to you know, write interesting stuff right up through Clockwork Oranges. And, the, and so, it, or Clockwork, Clockwork's Orange, whatever it was, Clockwork's Orange. And, Clockwork and Angels? Angels, thank you. No, I don't know. I, well, I was thinking of the movie, right? Clockwork Orange. But anyway, I, I keep calling it that. But the, the fact is, I mean, I have the album. I bought it when it came out. I went to the tour. I was, um, it, it was just something that, that has always been. And to see this, you know, but it, like you said, don't, it, you know, it's just like when somebody's a fan of, of a certain type of music, you don't put it down just because they like it or, you know, oh, I don't get it. So it's got to suck. No, it's just something you don't get, but don't, you know, don't trash it. Well, I'm a massive progressive rock fan. Um, we've talked about yeah. the show before. Rush is not my favorite band, but, um, I'm very keenly aware of their music and their influence and uh, and their influence on me, actually, because uh, maybe I wasn't influenced by them directly. But bands like Dream Theater, I mean, Dream Theater is basically Rush with heavy guitars. Right. It's I. It, right. There's not really much more that you can say about it than that. Um, and, and if you don't believe that, go go listen to a couple of records back to back and then you'll, you'll get it. Like, it's basically yeah. the same thing. Uh, now, granted... Uh, Dream Theater post Mike Portnoy has gone in a lot heavier direction. I would say it's more um, right. towards progressive metal at this point. But in the early days, like Images and Words, uh, is it Falling Into Infinity or whatever, yep. uh, those records were like straight Rush records. Yeah. Uh, and, and definitely how I transitioned to being a Dream Theater fan. Yeah, yeah. For uh, sure. Well, and those, and those were, I th my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinions, those records are, are the best they've done. Oh, yeah. The early ones. Uh, maybe not falling into affinity, but there, there's a lot of reasons why people don't like that one. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, I had something cool happen. Uh huh. Do you remember? So about two weeks ago, I was talking about uh, a pedal that I had sold and I regretted selling. And uh -huh. uh, I reached out. Well, I believe when we were on the show, I was reaching out to the guy who I sold it to to see if I could get it back. And uh, he didn't want to sell it to me initially. And I made him a, I made him a good offer. I, I was going to give him 20 bucks more than he paid for it. Right. And, uh, he thought about it. And then last night I was working on the floor and I got a text message. I didn't get a text message. I got a, I got a, uh, an email and I look at my phone and I go, uh Oh, and <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to have to ask my wife for permission and more on that in a moment. Uh, she comes in and I mentioned to her that the guy reached out to me. And that he was very excited uh, and wanted to sell me his uh, his ethos overdrive. And uh, so I'm getting my ethos back, my fifth anniversary ethos, which that's awesome. Fifth anniversary of my marriage, not fifth I see, anniversary of like I see her um, giving a smile here in the background. Yeah. So <laughs> that was the funny part. She comes in and I mentioned it to her. We didn't talk about price or nothing. She goes, how much is it? And I said, we could talk about that later. I said, I haven't made a decision on what I'm doing yet. She goes, just, she's like, okay. And I was like, okay, what? Like, okay, we'll talk about it later. And she's like, no, okay, just do it. 
Yep. And I was like, okay, then. <laughs> so uh, I'm getting my ethos overdrive back at the expense of, you know, quite a bit of money. But uh, right. it's a pedal that I regretted selling and uh, it was made for me. It has all the mods on it and I uh, I get it back. So uh, let this be a lesson to me. Do not sell something that you actually will regret, regret selling. Um, and in fact, I think I sold it while we were doing the show. It was. It was early in the show. Yeah. 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 Right and before I, you went to the Helix. You know where it's going? It's going on my new pedal board. And it's going to go for open mic gigs. That's that's what I'm going to use. I'm going to use the Ethos Overdrive uh, with the direct out, the speaker out, into a direct box. And that's how I'm going to do my guitar. So uh, I actually, I'm going to pick up a couple other pedals, though. I'm going to get the Grid Slammer. Oh, cool. For sure. And then I'm probably also going to get the Ethos TWE one because um, I'm super into trade wrecks right now. And I think it'd be cool to add that in front of the ethos. So if I want the trade wreck sound, I can switch over the clean tone and then hit that, hit that on. Uh, I'm told that that works great in combination. So uh, I really wish they would put that speaker emulation on more of their pedals because it's really solid. And I've had some conversations with some people in the group and stuff who really liked it too. So um but yeah, I, but main thing is this solves my direct box problem. And I know that this is like one of the best solutions I've ever found for going direct. Uh, if you've ever played with like, so the Tech 21 Santa series, uh, the, the character series, right? Um, huh? All right. So they're kind of similar to what the Ethos Overdrive does. But the Ethos Overdrive does it, I would say, 70% better. Um I mean, it's it's night and day different. This is a guy that basically said, I'm going to make the ultimate, you know, Dumble clone in a pedal. And I'm right, going right. to not stop until I get the sound I want, no matter what I do. And when you open this thing up and you see filter caps that are as big as batteries, and you realize that there are things going on in here that are basically just like a, a straight up, you know, amplifier going on in a pedal um, because he that was how he could approach that sound. Uh, that's when you start to realize, yeah, this is the real deal. This guy like put a lot of effort into it. And I have a feeling the, uh, the train wreck is the same way, um, where he's, so if you didn't know, basically with the ethos overdrive, this is a double overdrive special. Nobody really knows which one it is. Um, but it's, it's done with JFETs. That's essentially what's going on inside this pedal. And, uh, it's been tweaked of course, to, you know, to use the JFETs properly and to mimic the sound of, you know what actual tubes and stuff sound like, but it's, I mean, for, for lack of a better word, solid state device. This is the closest I've come to finding an amp, like a solid state preamp that sounds as good as like a basic boogie or anything like that. Um, and I regret selling it. And I actually kind of think that that's probably more relevant to a discussion. And yep. that is the, the reason I sold it, Jim, wasn't because it was worth a lot of money. That That was a big part of it. But the real reason I sold it was I kept getting made fun of because I had this $675 overdrive. And it was like, you spent $675 on an overdrive? And I'm sitting there going, well, it's not an overdrive. It's a preamp. And second off, like nothing on earth does what this does. And I know people are kind of like poo-pooed that too. It's like, well, yeah, but you can get similar. You know, listen, I've tried them all uh, that, that I can get my hands on. And I have not found anything that does what this does. So yep. be, be, be as it may, I mean, you can see proofs of the pudding. 
go uh, watch that pedal show did a thing on the RU Dumble. That's the name of the video. And they compared all of the Dumble pedals. Like the and stuff that isn't really Dumble, but they said that you could like tweak it to get Dumble-esque sounds. And they, yep. com- they compared all these pedals. Two of them came out on top. The Ethos. And then there's a Royal. Uh, let me see if I can find the video real quick because I just want to get the name of the other pedal. Because it's because it's cool too, and I've never actually been able to try one, so it might actually be better. Uh, uh, and actually, I think it's a British company too, which is another whole uh, another whole thing. And part of the reason why I can't get one here in the states to try out uh, is the Van Wilden Royal Overdrive, and that I believe is also like a five hundred dollar pedal. Jeez. Yeah, it's. I mean, none of this stuff is expensive. So another the the things they shot out in the video are the uh, Mad Professor symbol, the Amplified Nation Big Bloom, the J Rocket the Dude, which I've had that pedal and that is also good. Uh, the Doppler yep. Euphoria, which they said is actually not really a double, but you can get double sounds out of it. The uh, Wampler Wampler yeah. Euphoria, the Euphoria, yeah. The Tanabi Doom Kudo Doom Kudo Kudo Doom. Yep. Dom Kudo. Kudo, whatever, yeah, however you say it. Yeah. Then there's, the, of course, the Ethos. And then uh, the Van Wielded. The one that I actually I really wanted to see him shoot out, though, was uh, the Zen Drive. They didn't include the Zen Drive. Of all the pedals they pulled out, they did not do it with a Zen Drive. And I'm like, all right, well, that kind of sucks because everybody sort of expects that the Zen Drive be compared since that is like the first of the Double Clone pedals and the, and the choice of many players like Robin Ford Larry Carlton um, have used that for the Fender Twins to get. Actually, that's that, that's probably worth saying, noting. Robin Ford uses red knob Fender Twins when he's in Europe with a one of those pedals, the the uh, the uh, Zen Drive in front. Out of all of the options he has, he takes a red knob twin, yep, and a Zen Drive, and that's what he uses all across Europe. Or at oh. least what he was using. I he maybe right, holding right, doubles right. now, but uh, right. back in the day, that's like he's like, I, well, I can't hold my doubles, and they're not <laughs> on they're not on uh, European power anyway. So, right, he's got a bunch of red knob twins in storage over there that he uses. I had to laugh because uh, uh, who was it that I was watching today? I think it was Phil McKnight said that uh, he finally got to try a real double, and he said, "I'm glad I didn't buy into the hype." Well. You know, and that's listen. And I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying the doubles are bad. I know that's not what he I was know, saying. I know. Well, the the buying into the hype thing. Okay, so it depends on what kind of a player you are, right? But, and that's what he said. But he is not a guy that can appreciate, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but they can appreciate an amp that's going to tell on you. Like that's what they say about the double that it will tell on you that you're not going to be able to to fudge mistakes. You have to be on and you have and, and like fuzz pedals, you kind of have to learn to play it. And it's not it's not like other amplifiers like you got to be able to coax things out of it um, where that might be. That might be something that he's so used to doing that he's not really, you know, what I mean, yeah, if, I if think you're that, used to a certain type of amplifier, you're not going to like the double because it's going to well, look at the, like you said. Look, it's gonna tell on you. Look at the guys who are known for playing doubles, right? Uh, Larry Carlton, obviously, Robin Ford, right? Two players yeah. that have 
real sharp attacks and yep. like never miss a beat. Uh, yep. I'm not going to say Stevie Ray because he didn't really play doubles all that much. No. He only had him the last two years. He well, yeah, I was going to say the very end. Right? Uh, who else? Uh, well, Eric Johnson had a double. He used his ODS. Yeah. Uh, various other people. Uh, Carlos Santana is the other one that I'm leaving out. Um, yep. And and none of those guys are known for just being like, you know, like like Jimi Hendrix kind of played sloppy and that kind of stuff to get an effect, you know. Right. Um, they're known for, you know, being precise. And yep. being able to create these precise melodies and things. So that's why I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like a lot of people aren't going to, that that sounds not going to appeal to them. Those are the same people yeah. that wouldn't like Dr. Z because of the, again, sharp attack and, yep. and it'll tell on you. I mean, they're, they're known for it. Yeah. I think that there are very few players that I, I can think of like Badamasa, very precise, very uh, matter of fact, he was talking about the fact that he has no legato right. skills. He actually said that. He said, "He said there's a lot of people that can play a lot better than me, especially when it comes to legato." And uh, who was the other player? Really Brad, legato, but terrible. Yeah, <laughs> Brad Paisley is another one. Very sharp pick attack. Very articulate in what notes he chooses to play. Uh, his only real legato is some pull offs. Yeah, I mean, well, so, but not like. Hammering three or four notes at a time, say uh, Steve. Uh, I think that's uh, probably a generalization with him. I think that just is a stylistic thing because of what, yeah, yeah. what he's typically. That's what I mean. Well, what that's what right. he's typically seen playing. But I, I am right, right, right. But uh, that he's a cat that does it all, you know. Right, but he uses Doctor Z because of the style of music that he plays. Sure, he uses train wreck. Sure, no, he does not. Uh, well, yeah, he, or, has, he no. has rockets. So yes, not what like, people typically think of as a train wreck. Okay. Right. And that's, since I've gone to the train wreck path, I can kind of give some explanations. So right. the ones I like are the express, which are more like a Marshall. Yep. And yep. the rocket is basically an AC 30 on acid. Um, and that's what he's after. So he's got, now he's kind of switched, switch gears, but, yeah, he, but has. he has a, he used to well, use Maz's more. And then, he switched over to uh he had he has the Z Rack. That is that is yep. his amp with Dr. Z. That happened yep. between that was a collaboration between Dr. Z and Ken Fisher when he was alive. Yep. To produce an amplifier for him. And it's basically a trade wreck rocket. Right, right. Okay, with some minor changes. But what what the crazy part about this whole scenario is he's got this other amp that he's using now that 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 they built for him. And then he uses uh some of the some of like the the I think he's got a stag. He uses stag rays as well. Um, yeah, but he has like a bunch of different Doctor Z's that he'll like just he'll use the core sound, which is that rack, and then he'll he'll add like other Doctor Z amps to make it sound different. And then the other, right. and then the other uh, with him, he does use other amps in the studio quite a bit. Actually, um, he uses right. the, the Z's live, but I've yeah. heard that he uses real trade racks in the studio. That he has several rockets and several right. expresses. So right. when he when it came up, uh, I think it was last year or the year before that they, they unveiled that new amp, which is supposed to be like a an eighteen watt Marshall, right? That that he's yep. really into. That's an express. Well, that, is, that's what that is. They, it's interesting because I I saw my first video with um, that he's done for like ever since Doctor Z that he's done for a product. Uh -huh. 
And it was it was just recent, last couple of days, and it was Seymour Duncan. So he's he's um, partnered with Seymour Duncan for some new pickup. Yeah, he's saying well, that's, he, you know. Well, that and that's fine. Like, you know, actually, yeah, actually, he's not a gear whore. Okay, no, that's what that's what people don't understand understand when they think about Brad Paisley the Doctor Z endorsement because he's the face of Doctor Z in a lot of ways. Right, Brad Paisley is. Uh, I mean. He, he, most of his guitars are damn near stock except for the G bender. And yep. uh he's he's in the custom shop guitars, but his pedal board, he's just a line six M9 or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the big one, it, the, the M13 or whatever it is. Yeah, and he cranks the amp for compression. Yep. There you go. That's it. <laughs> that, nothing else <laughs> needs to happen. Right. Um, but matter of fact, he has like a, a line of like four Dr. Z's that go. On a on a train. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I I've seen them. It, it two are live. Yeah. yeah, two are live or three are live, and one is dead or something like that. Uh, he sounds he sounds great live. I'll tell you right now. Oh yeah. His tone oh, yeah. is just it just slays. But I will also say this: there ain't a there ain't a guy alive that can play the with the cleanliness that he does. Yeah. You know, and get away with it like that. It's just sick. yeah. Um, There's no breakup on most of his songs. Yeah, I mean, well, no, he's 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 cranking like they're they're definitely compressed and broken up and everything else. But the, but you hear every single note and the guy's yeah. playing a million miles an hour. I mean, we talked about Robin Ford and, and Larry Carlton. Those, those guys can burn through notes if they want to. Oh, um, yeah. But Brad Paisley does it right. Yeah. That, that's the difference. And from beginning not, to end, he's not a double guy, but he is a train wreck. Guy. And, and actually, I think we're glad we talked about this because train wreck is the same thing. It's an amp that'll tell on you. If you're not any good with it, you're going to have the same problems as people that hype up the uh, the uh, the doubles. You know. Now, yeah. do I think either of those amps are worth the prices they're going for? Yeah. I mean, I, trade racks are actually surprisingly affordable. Uh, right. Six grand for for a Ken Fisher built trade rack. Wow. I mean, that's not. Yeah, we were talking about that last week. Yeah, that's not that's not nuts, right? Wow. So. For a double, you know, thirty thousand—that's a bit much, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but just having a double is not going to make you sound like Robert Ford, Larry Carl, Carl Santana, or whoever else that you like that plays doubles. Uh, it's just you're chasing the you're chasing the dragon at that point. Uh, so, yeah, you know, and and it, it, actually, dumb dumb part about this whole conversation: the iconic amplifiers. That we all seek, like most of the time, there's like production amps. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing really all that special about them. Uh, Stevie Ray's yeah. Super Reverbs and Vibroverbs and like uh, Eddie Van Halen's 1968 Super Lead Plexi. Like those are not, I mean, yeah, when you think, they are, if you, un yeah, they're, they are un unobtainable, but you know. Right. If you think about it for just a minute. The the um a lot of the amps that people are are chasing are like a, a musician who found one that that they really liked. Yeah. We talked about this yeah. before, and it was it was you know for example, so and so's nineteen sixty six um uh, stock, no changes, no muds, um uh super reverb, you know, super twenty or whatever. And so, um, and then you're like, oh, well, I got to get one because it's, it's got to be and the they, And the other one, both sound the same. 
That's what Ken They're Fisher. That's what Ken Fisher figured out. He built a he built a super lead plexi. I think it was a sixty eight, and he modded it so that it would sound more like Eddie Van Halen for a customer. And then he did the same thing to his own. He, he, he like literally to the point where he measured out the the length of the wires. You know, and like right. how they were right. run. And yeah, that's I mean that's what you have to do if you want to clone an amp, but. Not everybody clones the hips that way. You know what I mean? Like, they, oh, well, it's the same circuit, yeah. except the wires are all different. You know, we're using we're we're using uh, different uh, different value caps in some places, and like, and and of yeah. course, component drift and all that. So, oh, guess guess. Speaking of Eddie Van Halen's amps, guess who uh, is now working for the amplification of Eddie Van? Halen's oh, I saw that. Amp. John Brown went back. Yeah, James Brown. Is it James Brown? Yeah, you're yeah. Right. His name it's is James, James Brown. Brown. He's John not Brown. the singer. James yeah. Brown, not John Brown. James Brown. Uh, James Brown of Amtweaker. So if, yep. for those of you who don't know, he used to work at PD. He designed the 5150. He went through yep. that insane process of working with Eddie Van Halen to develop that amplifier. And then he left. Uh, he did the ranges. He did all the like the trans tube stuff. He did a bunch of other amplifiers for him. And then he ended up leaving the company. He started Amtweaker. Amtweaker, yep. I mean, I know a lot of people who like their stuff. Um, and now apparently he's left Amtweaker and he will be staying yeah. on there as a consultant and he's going to work for Fenderdale in the EVH division. So, yep, that should be interesting. Uh, so we're going to get it. So my guess is we're getting a 5154 next year. Um, That's what I'm thinking. And we're, or we're going to get a 5150 classic, which could be a 1968 Super League Plexi or I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. As a result of that transition. Yep. Uh, I think, honestly, what this is, is this is Fender realizing that Eddie doesn't work well with most people. And James <laughs> Brown knows how to handle him. And yeah. so, let those two guys do it. <laughs> you know, um, I've heard that, that uh, well, I, I'll share this story. I think I've shared on the show before. When, he, when the uh, Wolfgang guitars were coming out of PV. And he would go to the factory. He would literally pick up a couple off the rack and just throw them across the room. Wow. And then he would pick them up and, and try to, if they weren't in tune, he'd say they're, they're shit and, and make them, make them toss the line. Like, Holy crap. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's quite the interesting dude. I, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that several people have punched him in the face over the years. Oh, Eddie. Yeah. Well, him yeah. and Hartley Peavy, they have bad blood. Like no, nobody's business. Oh, I'm and, sure. Uh, Sterling Ball and him did not get along either. So, yeah. Well, I mean, he was with Ster with Sterling Ball. What? Um, just a few years. It was a very short. Yeah, but relationship that burned quickly, and uh, they do they cannot be in the same room together. I am told. Um, yeah, and, and I can imagine. So, anyway, yeah. So, Nam's coming up. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Nam announcements are, are starting to filter in. Um, yeah. Yeah. The one that I saw today was that the Kemper Cone thing is coming. So the Kemper yep. Cone is the speaker, right? The cab, the Kemper cab, uh, is apparently going to be announced at NAM officially, which is funny because everybody knows about it. It's been talked. It's been <laughs> talked about for I know, like three years now. Uh, yeah, and it started out actually. This is a crazy product. So they had some green cabs made for them. So they go to so they go to the show and they show the power Kemper, right? Um, and then people kept asking, like, can we buy these cabs? And they're like, no, we don't, we have no intention of selling these cabs. Like, right. The, no. and, and then the next year it was like, 
Well, now we've had a conversation with Celestian. And uh, actually, from what I understand, at that damn show, Celestian came by and they dropped off their card and they were like, here, uh, maybe we could do business together. And because they, they heard that there was a lot of buzz that there were these green cabinets, right? And people right. were getting all excited. So they, they came up with an FRFR arrangement. Uh, but yeah. it's not really FRFR, okay? So, but but I, I, would, I do want to talk briefly. Um, I've seen several people seeing the announcement and then being like, yep. this is bullshit. It's not powered. Oh, Why does a cabinet have to be powered? <laughs> I mean, I just don't understand. Just, just get a freaking power amp for love of Christ. I, you know what's going to be funny is it's going to be half the price of the, the uh, Lightsix power cabinet. That, yeah. That's what's going to be funny is I, I have a feeling the Kemper caps will be like 400 bucks, which is roughly half the price of a power cabinet. Right. It's not half, yeah. but I mean, it's, it's significantly less, right? Um, for a yep. quality cabinet, it's going to be made out of wood with real Tolex, leather corners, and a leather handle, which you're not getting yep. any of those things on the power cab. Um, exactly. So I don't know. I'm I'm torn. I don't want one. And, and it's not that like – I'm not saying this because I'm like, oh, you know, uh, FRFR or whatever, but I don't want anything that's going to color my sound like that. I would rather right. just get a pair of PA wedges or something. Um, yep. I'm actually, I'm probably going to pull the trigger on a head rush. The tent, the I can see cabinet, that. I can see right? that. The, the, the yep. FRFR cap. And the only reason is because I need a wedge for, for playing out. Um, I need to have a monitor mix in front of me. I can't do this right. like, crap of you know, play these gigs and not being able to hear myself anymore. Um, yep. So I'm going to get something that I can have my mix in there as well as the band mix and, you know, kind of yep. tinker as needed. Um, the other, uh, so that's cool, right? Like I'm going to be able to hear myself. Yeah. That'll be great. The other thing is I'm going to talk about my Sweetwater rep. I, I saw that Galaxy Audio does some wireless stuff, uh, wireless in-ears. I don't think yep. they're considered to be like top end or anything, but for what I'm right. doing, it may not be the worst thing in the world to go to a, to go to an in-ear wireless system. Um, right. But the question is, do I wait to GearFest and then just get the Shure, uh, the Shure in-ear system and just use that as my personal monitoring thing on stage? I know I'm waiting for GearFest before I do anything with them. Uh, well, you, I mean, you got guitar center pricing i have i, I have yeah. expect you to show up at gear fest and not buy anything uh, yeah pretty much because what price a lot of stuff your pri well your pricing is going to be better than theirs period yeah and, they can't they can't offer me pricing as good right they because they can't give you the employee uh -huh. level so right and i'm sure so although then, there are some things like the 58 dollar uh, sm58 SM58s or the $57 SM57. So, so the, you know, there's going to be certain things that I'll have. So, Jim, here's I want to share this with our audience. This is not giving away anything that goes on the Guitar Center. So no. this has to do with and I've talked to other people who, who work at music stores that have a similar situation. Usually yeah. your employee discount is not like a flat thing. It's not like, oh, the you know, no. Guitar Center is just going to give you this across the board. It has right. to do no. with what the manufacturers actually right. authorize as the retailer so discount. I, yeah, I don't think I'm sharing anything outside of um, the thing to say that it has to do with how much Guitar Center makes on the product. In other words, it has to do with margin. So if the margin is slim, my my uh, um, obviously Guitar Center makes money. Yeah. Okay. Right. 
I mean, anybody who's ever had an employee discount anywhere knows that the company doesn't go giving things away. Okay. Um, with the exception of like, I think PRS gives uh, something at five years. They yeah, give they a, give a guitar a, or something. Guitar. Which, by the way, congratulations to Jay Wells. Yep. Uh, he now works for for uh, PRS. I'm excited to hear He's, that, man. I'm I, I'm super excited. Congratulations, to, Jay. It's it was literally his dream job, and I I can't say that's a lot of people's how dream job. <laughs> jealous, right? I am because in five years he can pick a new. He can have a new um, uh, PRS. Uh, I think a custom shop built for him. Yeah, or he. He can pick the stuff. Well, he's to a it. bassist, but right? I, I mean, that's like his primary yeah, thing. Yeah. So I wonder if they build yeah. him a bass. I don't know. I don't know if he'll get a bass or guitar, but um, anyway, the the thing that because I know they do build basses and I can't. Yeah, they they they, they don't, I don't think they have production basses, but they yeah they do. No, they had. I don't think they do anymore. Well, that they they did they did. But most let's let's face it. Most bass players they have like two or three basses, and they will buy big money. Uh, right. I've seen people drop five, six thousand dollars on a base, right? And not even bad at all. So, so it would be it would be nice to have that. But anyway, so um, uh, we were talking about the the thing. So let's say that uh, PRS gave, um, you know, well, like I said, if 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 our margin is small, my discount is even smaller, right? If our margin is larger, my discount is larger. So that that just comes to that. So the bigger the dis- the bigger the margin, the better the discount. So obviously, um, a lot of things that are hugely margined for any guitar shop would be would I get a much better discount. So I don't want to be specific because then then I may you know be giving out stuff that I shouldn't be. Um, that's that's how it works. So if you you know, but I I will say this: it's also um, it's also uh, highly regulated. So. I cannot purchase items larger than a certain amount of money more off um, it, within a certain period of time between each other. So I have to wait, like, because I bought a guitar, like my, my first guitar that I bought there was not employee discount. I bought my hummingbird at full cost. So um, that was the same price you would pay or anyone else would have paid. As a matter of fact, they're gone now. It was 2018. Um, uh, avant-garde's are gone yeah but the but the fact is that that at that discount that they were and when i purchased it um i couldn't i couldn't beat it with employee discount it it beat the employee discount literally yeah beat the employee yeah discount. um so the only guitars that i've gotten on the employee discount are the les paul and the ultra i've heard that said by the way that gibson if you work for them yep. their discount they do get an employee discount they used to yep. get like a guitar or something at some point but uh, they right. they haven't done that in a long time. But they uh, so they get the employee discount, and most of the employees don't see it as a benefit because they said the employee discount is actually more than what you could get a guitar for on sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wait until the, the smartest thing to do, and I think that's why Gibson has gone to the um, the no year thing, is that the smartest thing to do was to wait for Gibson to put the damn things on sale the following year. Yeah, and people. I think Gibson knew people that. catching on to that. Yeah, because you see the 2019. If you can grab a 2019 on blowout right now, you can you can slay um, most employee discounts. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so if you can get the only difference, so this is the beauty of a lot of the 2019s. Um, like for example, the SGs or the tributes. 
and things like that. The difference between a, a uh, uh, 2019, uh, let's say, Les Paul Classic and a Les Paul Classic that's now not um, numbered is the serial number. The way the serial number is, because now there's a, um, there's a number that is not um, uh, serialized the same way. So the 2019 start with a 19. The ones that are not 2019s. Yeah, but I mean, that's a, don't start. That's with not. It, that's, irre- that's literally. It's, it's useful to know, but it's irrelevant for the purposes of pricing because they're not going to price them down. They did. That's just well, it. the 19s, that's what's funny. The 19s, they did, but I don't think. Right. I don't think they're going to be doing that going but forward. But they're not right. That's what I'm saying. If you can find yourself a 20, the the really the only leftovers that that are out there are the 17s, 18, and 19s, um, and. The 17s are slim. Well, that's the 18s are almost. There is a time when that's going to change, though. So when they come out with them, like, let's say they're doing less Paul standards right now. And then in a couple of years, they do a new less Paul standard with different features and maybe some changes. You can't continue to say that all the other less Paul standards are the same thing. That's right. So that I think that, you know, it's now will they do it? I don't know. But is it doable? Yes. They could literally go. All right. You know what? From now on. We're not changing the Les Paul standard. That is the standard. And from now on, if you want something That's like, okay, this happen. year, this year they announced for NAM, that is an announcement. Um, there's a, there's a uh, whole line of Les Pauls coming and they're just going to be sat or not satch. Uh, uh, slash. Slash. Thank you. I almost said satch from satchel. Don't um, care about no. slash and his freaking Les Paul line. Nope. But I'm just saying, four new Les Pauls coming out um, that are slash Les Pauls. And what's funny is, all four of them have been done as special editions. Now they're just coming out as slash lines. So you see, Gibson smartly leaving the standards alone, saying, okay, the standards no, are No, that's fine. No, but, but here's some slash lines. But at some models. point, they're going to say, we're going to make a, a better 57 neck. And then there's going to be yeah, a yeah. new standard. And like that's yeah, it's will, gonna happen. It just hasn't happened. It's yet. got it, it. Just like Fender just did with the Ultra. Hey, the elites were good yeah. enough. Now we're getting rid of that line. We're calling it the Ultra. Which somebody um, mentioned that that they've done this. Okay, so the the Ultra Stratocasters and Ultra Telecasters they existed, they existed yes. before. Yes, in the nineties, the elites existed before yes. the deluxes. Existed yes, before. Just names. Yes, right. And the reason a lot of people are saying the reasoning for that, and it kind of makes sense, is so that when you are looking up the old ones, you'll find the new ones. I mean, it's just that's that's probably part of the reason. But I think I think there's a lot of reasons. Number one is the registered yeah, yeah. trademark part of it. They already yep. have it. So yeah, why the hell yeah, they, they don't? Why have the to, hell would they care? They're just going to reuse right. it, right? Right. And Ed, let's face Why it, go, how many people actually knew there were ultra strats before? I did. I mean, I, I, I'm sure people did like, but, but you know what I mean? I like they were the hardcore people who yeah, didn't they, care about the name as much. Right. Let's see. What does the old ultra stratocaster look like? I mean, obviously it's got nothing to do with the new one, but let's see ultra. And what's funny is I'll bet you it'd be harder to find the old ones now. Well, they didn't make a whole bunch of them anyway. They they were right. expensive at the time. Yeah, um, they were the top of the line too. Um, yeah. which, <laughs> oddly enough, the new ones are the and top of the line. Now they are again. <laughs> it's just yeah. funny that. Uh, well, 
so I don't know. Uh, Gearfest. Gearfest is coming up. Uh, I'm working on rules and guidelines for attending Gearfest with us. Uh, it appears that Jim's display has gone black, and I don't have any contact with him right now. Um, I can still talk about Gearfest, and I'm gonna do it. So we're gonna do that. We're gonna do an Airbnb again. Anybody who wants to attend, uh, keep let me know. I'm gonna put you on a list. There's, I'm gonna send an email out in a couple a couple of days. That's gonna have information about uh, how we're gonna structure this uh, carpool. If you want to come down from here, uh, which is the Chicago area, and then uh, also you know how to make your arrangements to like stay with us if you want to do that or if you want to stay somewhere else. Um, we are going to – I am going to charge a minor administrative fee to people who are not Patreon supporters just because um, – and by minor, I mean like less than 30 bucks uh, just because it actually takes a lot of work on my on my part to organize the whole thing. So this is going to – I think we're going to do two included meals as well and then, of course, the Airbnb. Um, so – just food for thought. Like this is what we're looking at so far. Uh, it should it should be under 150 bucks to go and stay with us. Uh, minus travel, of course, um, for the four days or whatever we're planning to be there. Because we're actually going to go down a day early. We're going to leave a day early, and then we're going to be there for two days, and then we're going to uh, uh, come back a day late. So this gives us some time to jam, get to know each other, all that you know, fun stuff that goes along with this whole process. So what? Uh-oh. Cause you okay, so you were still talking and you didn't see me. Yeah, this squadcast, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I just did while you were away, Jim. I did a recap of basically what we're looking at for Gear Fest, which is like two included meals, yep. uh, the Airbnb, yep. prob- uh, potential carpool arrangement with me. Yep. Um, there's some, we got other ideas where we're looking at maybe a special gift for people who attend. Yep. Um, also, I'm coming from the East Coast, so anybody that is on that relative path uh, from Virginia yeah. towards there. Uh, um, I can always, yeah, you, guys you, know, can you can always jump in with me because yeah. I'm, I'm the only person in the car. So. Yeah. Jim, Jim, and Jim's friendly. Don't pay any attention to the fact that yeah, he has a bunch of bodies in the back seat <laughs> yeah. um, next to his gear, of course. Um, <laughs> now, so we want to do some jamming. Like I have, I, I put together a schedule too, and the schedule has like a lot of time for just playing music together. And I'm hoping this year we can be a little bit more organized with it. Last year, we just kind of chilled and people were playing guitar the whole time. And actually, I think we'd be more fun if we could actually play together and not make it more like, a, here, let's play. Let's play with our crappy gear. Not our crappy gear. Nobody right. in that house had crappy gear. No, um, <laughs> it was insane, actually. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing people from from our community. Um, if you're interested in going reach out to me. I will put you on the list and I will send an email out next week or something, hopefully soon. Cause I want to get, uh, I actually want to try to get people to get their, uh, deposits in by like mid February. So we can go ahead and book the Airbnb. Yep. Um, this is a done deal. I'm going regardless whether Jim's there or not, whether anybody oh, yeah. there or not, I'm going regardless. Um, yep. Even though sure. I probably will have even less money being that I'm buying an ethos. Um, yep. I'm buying the ethos I already bought. <laughs> Gosh. And Jim knows what I paid. And so Jim knows, like, I'm out of my mind. Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely. I'm not out telling of my mind. anybody. 
<laughs> that's up to you to decide. To yeah. Tell you, can, about the tell. you can reach out to me and I'll probably tell you. But uh, it, yeah, it was ridiculous. And uh, it was ridiculous when I bought it originally. And it's just as ridiculous now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm getting it back. So not not complaining. Um, nope. Dude, I went to a jam the other night. I went to the Brower House uh, Open Jam. And um, so it's been kind of dead over there. Because they've uh-huh. been, they've been, I think I mentioned on the show, they've been kind of sporadic in and out about having their jam night open mic thing. Um, I the sound guy seems to like me, so he's running the show now. And uh, so I can, I went over there the other night, and I w- I signed up. There was only one other guy on the list, and he was a drummer. He's really good, by the way. Um, yeah. And uh, so sound guy comes over to me. His name's Flash. He he taps me on the shoulder. He says, he says you should go introduce yourself to this guy. You guys can play together. And I'm kind of thinking like, he's like, I know you do your, you know, guitar yoke thing, but like maybe right. you want to play with other people. I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. I'd much rather do that. Um, Cause I'm frankly, I'm getting really bored with tracks. Um, so I turned around and I walked over and introduced myself to this, this gentleman. Uh, he's a little bit older than me. Um, oh, a lot older than me. Jimmy's probably older than you. Uh, oh no. But he was, that's not possible. So he, yeah, he looks <laughs> at me and he, yeah, Jim's only like 430. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm literally old enough to be his father, by the way. Yeah, yeah several times over. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, he's he's there showing me pictures of his drums and stuff, and he's like, he's like, I'm into really progressive music, and I'm like, this is gonna be fun because I'm yep. like, when he says that, I'm like, yep, all right, this is gonna be fun. I can't wait. Then Flash brings over this guy from the bar, and I guess he's a regular. Uh, he's a harmonica player and a singer, and he's sitting there talking to us, and he's talking about. Uh, he got to open either open up or like play with uh I'm having a moment. The guy from the the guy from the Eagles. Uh oh, um Fan Henley? Or not Henley, um uh Fry. Uh, one of them, I think. I don't remember. But anyway, was it he was name dropping, right? Don Don Felder. Don Felder. Yeah. He was name dropping. And I'm like, yep. oh shit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Like, yeah. okay. So, as is the normal reaction, you've got a 35 year, 35 year old guy standing there telling you, you know, he plays guitar or whatever. And he's, you know, yep. he's obvious like he he knows music. Like I'm talking to him about bands and stuff and uh, talking about what I do and the podcast and all these different things. And then we get up there and we play. And it was so funny because the drummer, I think he was kind of writing me off. Because this, he started playing some stuff, and then as soon as I launched in, like he was like, "Oh, I literally saw him like back up, like, oh, I didn't yeah. know that was gonna happen." And then uh, we played the first song we played was "Voodoo Child," and it was so funny because the uh, the harmonica player is like, he's like, "Can you play it?" And I'm like, "I don't have my wah wah, but I think I can do it." Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you, you know, this is kind of You're real. Like, I was like, yeah. "I think I got, I think I, 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 yeah. I have a." Actually, what I think I said was I haven't played it in a really long time, but I think I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, remember, I go around and I do Hendrix tunes and open mics all the time. So I'm trying to be kind of a jerk at that point. Totally playing it off. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he gets to the first like the first solo part or whatever. And he looks looks over at me and he gives me the nod, you know, and I just start ripping into it. And he even he's doing the same thing. Like, (laughs) holy crap. Um, And uh, yeah, it was a good experience. We played, Jim, 
there we were the only four guys there so we played all night we played for like two hours nice some of the some of the because we were just like literally just jamming like open jam stuff we we played one song for like 30 minutes it was ridiculous and uh it was sounded great but it was just funny because it's like this this bar is known for being like a rockabilly bar like a rockabilly like punk club and and uh, i mean they play all kinds of music is played there but that's like their styling and then you have these guys playing like you know um like acid jams basically like (laughs) going off into the into the sunset um it was it was a good experience and um and I just wanted to share that with everybody because I had a good time. And That's I think a blast. I think you guys should all get out, guys and gals and whoever else needs to get out and go do some of this stuff too. Cause it like you I didn't even think they was gonna have a good night. I was just like, I didn't get to go to the other open mic. I didn't get yep. to go to the open mic over the weekend. I'm just gonna go do this and see what happens. And I went over there and I was like pleasantly surprised and totally amused. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going back next week. Like, no doubt. I'm gonna go play uh, the the open jam over there next week. Yeah. So I'm going to do both open mics this week um, just because like I had a really good time and I, I want people to come out and do that kind of stuff. I have such a blast when I get to do that stuff. Dude, I don't. All right. So the, so let, let, let me be real with everybody. I'm getting to the point where I just want to play with other people. I don't even care if I'm on stage. I don't care if I'm getting paid. Um, right. I, I, so this weekend I went and I played with with the singer from from Old Stumpy. Like yeah. we jammed for like two hours, right? Um, we did that video shoot a couple weeks back and yep. that was like a jam session festival thing. And that right. was great too. And then like, I'm doing more and more of this. I want to play with as many people as possible. I don't care who you are. Um, and just, right. Like, just play a lot. Like that's, that's what I want to do. I don't, there's, I, I have no goals. Right. <laughs> but it's just like, I just want to play with people. That is that, that's that well, cool. Yeah. I mean, that's why I, I think, first of all, everybody that's, that's listening, you know, like I said, we're, we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be doing uh, Sweetwater, but I think what's more important um, is the jam part of this because we're going to jam, you know, uh, um, we're going to try to jam daily, but this is going to be um, the crappy, like they, so I, if you've ever thought about going to like the Steve Vai guitar experience or the John Petrucci thing or like this is not it, Joe Satriani <laughs> thing. No, this is the budget version of that. Right. You're not going right. to get any education. This is the great value version. Yeah, but you could, exactly. This is like the Walmart equivalent, right? This is the Walmart <laughs> made in China equivalent. Um, you're going to go to you're going to go to this house with us. You're going to eat breakfast with us. You're going to poop with us because we're all going to probably share one or two bathrooms. Yeah, uh, you're going <laughs> to. You're probably, I, I assume most people are probably going to have a beer or two. Uh, and then you're going to play some music with us. Like, what more could you ask for to play with two assholes right. like Jim and I? Right, right. And I think it, I think it'll be blast. I mean, obviously you'll, you'll jam with Nick. Uh, Tom will be there. And they are both great players. Uh, great, great musicians. Tom's bringing a bass. Yeah. So we're going to have a bassist. I was just going to say, don't, don't, uh, yeah, cause I, I know both of those guys are pretty humble. They'll be like, oh, no, no, they're really great. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, I've heard yeah, Nick play, I've heard Nick play quite a bit and, uh, yeah, yeah. he's, he's quite good. Hopefully he'll bring that Les Paul. Like, uh, I, he's going to bring gotta, plenty. Gotta see that guitar. What, um, which one, but his, his fifties, Les Paul. Yeah, he might, he might. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that's a tough one. And I, and I understand if he doesn't, because that's, you know, yeah, he brought crazy stuff last year. Dude, he brought a 62 brown face deluxe. Jeez. <laughs> and then he, he told us, dude, 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 I got to share this. I know Nick's not on the show. I wish he was here to talk about this, but I got to share this. He told us that 62 brown face deluxe he brought, 
He's like, yeah, I bought it off a dude for like next to nothing. And he told yep. us what he paid for. And I, again, I don't want to share the prices because that's that's between him and that guy. But right. uh, he told us he's like the speaker in it is the original Oxford like 12. And he's like, it's everybody who sees me playing. It's like, take the speaker out like you're going to blow it. And that speaker's priceless and all that stuff. He's like, he's like, he, he's no. like, when I got the speaker. It was so caked with dust. He's like, I ran it under my faucet. Yeah, yeah, I can believe that. I can totally believe that. I was going to say when he rinsed it with water. Yeah, yeah, um, you just put it in the sink. I'm blowing it out with a hose. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to bring, uh, I'm going to bring a couple practice amps. So um, you know, well, folks that are going to fly, or if you're going to, um, whatever, you know, come in a smaller uh, thing, or take a bus or whatever. Don't worry. Um, I'm going to bring my Marshall. I'm going to bring my, uh, um, my katana and i'm going to bring my little rolling cube so we'll have uh we'll have plenty of the ability to make noise in the spirit of jamming yes this has been something i've disclosed to several people on the show so my wife now works for an airline uh there she she, she just changed careers i won't say yep. what airline it's not important um but she now works for an airline she gets the yep. benefits um she's in the she's in the corporate sector of the airline so she doesn't travel herself for her work that often um okay. But she, she just started this job. She's learning about the travel benefits. And yep. <laughs> it became very clear that I was not going to be paying very much to go places. Yeah. Um, now, there are some stipulations. Of course, you can't travel on business. So I can't use this for podcast travel. But right. I can get on a plane and I can go jam in Nashville. That's right. Or I can get on a plane and go jam in Los Angeles. Yeah. So these are things that are going I get, to happen. Okay? I, I get the feeling that there are two guys that are talking to you right now that are going to do next year's NAM. So. Um, well, we're going to go to NAM next year anyway, but I right. definitely am. I am entertaining hardcore getting on a plane for a weekend or during the week, taking like right. two days off during the week and going to Nashville just so I can play open mics and like open jams and then flying right. back here. Just to say I've done it and yeah. to like, and to meet some people while I'm there, yeah. you know, like that I think would be a really cool experience. It'd be something nice to talk about on the show, but I wouldn't do it for the show. You know what I mean? Like that right, right. because like I can check that off my bucket list kind of deal. Um, exactly. Could you yeah, imagine open, like fly into the bank? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, to go to the, the, any of those places. But like, I'm thinking about like the baked potato, like going yeah. in there and doing an open jam. LA. Yep. Yeah, dude, dude, or, that's, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, or the, um, is it the blue note or the bluebird in, uh, in Nashville? Yeah. I think that's one of them. Um, yeah. I, I want to say it's a bluebird, but it might be blue. No, I don't know. Cubs are on one street. I know. I'm just, like, on, I don't even uh, have to pay a huge Uber bill. It's just like, yep. just take me down there. Find me a hotel right around the corner and I'll be cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, you just go down to music row and boom. Yeah, dude. So, um, you, Jim, you got to travel with the Navy. Like this is a big deal for me because. Um, I don't really like to travel internationally, but like I will travel domestically until I'm blue in the face. Um, yeah, I traveled internationally. Take yeah. my word for it. It wasn't as glamorous as I'd no, like it to believe. No. I, and, and yeah, we're we're planning some international stuff too. So that's that's a whole Yeah, you lot guys. Because like, all right, so here's the deal. We we just like we've been so tight to the hill for so long that we don't think about doing vacations or anything like that. We just Right, right. Gear fest is the one thing I do, and yep. then work travel, right? Anything I have right. to do for work, anything she has to do for work. So yep. she gets this job, and then she finds out about the travel benefit, and she and I things start clicking, and we're like, we can go to Japan, we yeah. can go to we can go to England, 
Like we yep. can go to Australia if we want, or New Zealand, or I mean, basically anywhere but the Middle East. Um, right, right. I'm Which like, is smart not to go to. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, if you have to take an American airline into another country and then get on another airline to go somewhere, chances are you don't want to go that place. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good idea. The government's probably not recommending you go there. No, no. So yeah, so I'm start. I'm um, starting my fund, uh, my travel fund for next year's NAM, um, obviously, and the. Thing. And the following year, I want to do, uh, you know, one of the Satriani clinics. Um, I want to do Nam just to say it did. I just to say the podcast did it. Um, obviously, you're not traveling for the podcast. You're traveling to visit me, who is there. For the podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you don't have to. Um, I may pay for that trip because I can pay. Yeah. I can still get the employee discount, which right, that's, right. A, that's a whole other thing. If you want to yeah. travel on business with your employee benefits. You pay the discount. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's oh, like, and, cool. the di- and the discount's uh, steep. So, you know, it's like, this is like, why is this even a rule? Tax purposes. Right. That's actually tax why. purposes. And, and I understand that. Um, my, uh, a friend of mine was a, um, a pilot who used to fly for free all the time. Yep. Um, it, you know, he was one of the first people. What's funny is he was never, one of the first people to get bumped, which I thought was funny. They, they would still give tick. They would give money for somebody else to get off the plane. <laughs> that guy would that, so that's like a thing. They yeah. not only do you get to get on the plane, but you get priority boarding. Yeah, and you get and you get priority over other passengers. Yep. So, and 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 she was telling me there's like additional layers of this. Where if you're traveling for business and your and your manager deems it a uh, an emergency, they can kick people off the plane to put you on it. Yes, I'm oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's psychotic. Um, oh yeah. Anyway, so it is yep, what it it's, is. It's, you know, it's a thing. Um, they could they did that for me to come across to come across the pond once too. To they knocked somebody off their flight to allow me to fly home. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this all all pans out, but I think that would be it would be cool to talk about in the show if I get to have some of those experiences. I'm I'm curious as to whether open jams in other places are conducted in the same way they are here, um, and that kind of thing. And so that may be a good reason to go do it, and yeah. all just because of the experience. That's that's mainly and it. It oh, would yeah. be fun for me. Like I know my wife was like, "Well, that's kind of a business expense, isn't it?" And I'm like, "No, I'm going for fun." Like I don't care about the podcast. That's a like, I'm a guitar player first and foremost. That's I want right. this for me. <laughs> you know? That's right. It, and it and it is a bucket list thing. I mean, you know, there there are a couple bucket list things I want to do. Um, and uh, again, like I said, I want to do the Satriani thing. Um, that's not for the podcast. That's for me. I want to go. I I I would be the worst guitar player there. I mean, I would be. The total bottom of the barrel. Doubtful doubtful that you would be the worst guitar player there. Doubtful. Very doubtful. I will have fun. And that's the important. Dude, there there are rich people that go to those things like first year guitar players. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, then I'll be the second worst guitar player. (laughs) That one rich dude sitting next to you. Wow, you're good. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, no. Jim will be the bad (laughs) guitar player that's not in the 1%. Yeah. (laughs) But, um. Yeah, I, you know, there's so many things like, you know, those blues jams, you know, blues cruises, they leave locally. And I'm like, oh, shit, I could go onto one of those and 
and have a blast, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a few things. I want to go to Nerdville. So while I'm in California, I may truck up to Nerdville, you know, and see if I can't get um, – because I know they – you know, that Matamasa has uh, – you know, you're gonna, stuff there. He's got a little shop there. You know, you're gonna call up Bonamassa and be like, "Hey, man, I run this podcast. Like, can I come like hang out with you for like an hour?" He strikes me as the kind of person that yeah, if he, he was probably there, would be like, "Yeah, would stay, yeah, why, why not?" <laughs> bring, bring, I know. I mean, bring he, something. He actually, yeah, bring something. You know, like bring me some yeah. beer, and you know, we'll we'll hang out in the living room and uh, show me that freaking weird, um, that weird uh, Les Paul ears. So, yeah, I, um. But I'm, I'm, uh, you know, that Les Paul might be your ticket to that, Jim. Yeah, could be. Um, and it's, it's always a, it's always a thing, dude. I would love to, uh, I would and just to have him rip up on it, just to say, you know what? Bottom us playing. I have 10 times better than I did. <laughs> I have one like distinct recollection of watching the thing where he showed the, the Bona Museum, the Bona, yeah. the Bona Museum or whatever. Yep. Um, <laughs> that, oh, God. Um, he's sitting in the, in his living room or whatever, and he's, he's playing like all these guitars through this cranked up, like blackface fender. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. that's so not Joe Bonamassa that yeah. it was hysterical. He's like, yeah, I really like the reverb, but he has a jazz master and he's got the reverb yeah. turned all the way up on the amp and you're sitting there going, huh? Yeah. He, he, uh, puts out these videos where he's like any other guy who's like, I'm just going to jam with the phone. And he, and he just sets the phone. Yeah, he just sets it down like me. In a bad position. It's like a terrible yeah. angle. Lighting's terrible. Fuzzy. He don't care. He doesn't give a sweet rat's patootie. And then he goes, and then, <laughs> and he just smiles and turns it. Just like any teen would do with their, um, with their iPhone. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't make. Well, John Mayer does that too. So I can't really comment about how great that is, but. Uh... No, I'm just saying it's, it's very, I'm not saying it's great or bad. I'm just saying it's, it's very like relatable. Sure. That's what I'm sure. Sure. That's what I'm saying. Sure. It, it's just, it's just another dude playing guitar and loving playing guitar. I, can, I mean, that's what, you know, you can see that in Bonamassa's face uh, when he plays that he really, really loves what he does. Uh, maybe a little too much, but he loves what he All does. right, all right. There, were, there was a show he was on where they were talking about what he said a couple of years ago. Remember when he said uh, something about pedals and, and stuff? And then um, these guys were were busting on him. Of course, it was all staged. And then he walked in. He goes, hey, fellas, fellas, save it for the gear page. I have a challenge. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to Gear Fest. This is part of this episode. We've, we've already made this a thing. That's right. I have a challenge and somebody goes up because Chuck Ciroc, the uh yep. the ceo yep. of sweetwater the owner president yeah founder, yeah whatever, whatever. you want to call him he, yep. he he greets people when they come in and he shakes yep. their hand i want somebody to fangirl on this guy and i want somebody to like hug him and give him a deep <laughs> embrace you you found the right person and yeah i know i was talking to jim and jim's eyes just lit up like i could do this and I'm i can like, totally do yeah that. i could totally, totally see jim doing that and I will give extra brownie points to anybody who touches Brian Wobbler. Oh, I would definitely <laughs> not touch Brian Wobbler. I want Brian Wobbler to like me. I don't want to touch he him. He totally recognized me last year, too. Me and, me and Dan Kish were over there, and he was showing us some pedals. And he recognized me because I'm like – I mentioned to him. I was like, yeah, I was like, we talk about your stuff on the podcast quite a bit. 
And uh, yeah. he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, I think I've heard of it. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you probably never listened to it. And he's like, probably not. And I'm like, yeah, I, I suspect as much, you know. <laughs> and uh, we were just kind of cutting up over it. But, uh, but when I was there with him and him and Kish, he was demonstrating this reverb pedal. He, um, he just looked at his eye like, is he gonna touch me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But I'm not because a creep. I know you like, I, I'm not a weirdo. Right. Right. So, so here's the, here's the context for how that actually happened. You're in a loud venue. You're right. you're talking to people and you're not sure they can hear you. So oftentimes you emote, right? Like you right. use your hands or whatever to try and get people to understand what you're saying. So I just gently tapped his shoulder as I was walking by and let him know that, you know, hey, I, I heard you. Like I give you a card. Like, you know, I'll catch up with you later. Yeah. But it was like it was one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, it's sort of on the brink of that. You know what I mean? Like and, and I can right. tell like he's a person that probably doesn't like that sort of thing. So I'm like, well, sorry, dude. Like, I know. Yeah. So I know going back to Nam, I know that he's got some uh, announcements to make. Everybody has announcements to make at Nam, dude. Um, yeah. I think there. I think we're starting to see Nam like become the place to make announcements again, which yeah, is really kind of funny. But well, yeah, PRS um, jumped the gun again this year. Yeah. I'm wondering. Um, well, he. Announced the uh, it's exciting though the S two McCarty and the S two McCarty semi hollow right um, yep so I think that's exciting because the S two line which is it's kind of like okay here's the American SE line right I mean that's really what that is um but I'm kind of excited to try it. <clears throat> So I'm not saying I'm going to buy one or not. I'm just I'm I'm withholding judgment. But uh, Ibanez, dude, they got some damn stuff coming. Schechter. All right, no, let's, let's start with Ibanez first, because Ibanez yeah. is two important things. Remember when we were saying? Oh yeah. Remember when we were Go saying ahead. back on the show a while back? We were talking about headless guitars because I own one. Who's going to be? And yep. somebody's going to come out with a headless guitar from the major companies because it has to happen at this point. Other than yep. Strandberg and Kiesel. And Ivan has come out with a headless bass like yep. a week ago, right? And then they announced their 2020 line, which has like four new Ibanez AZs. I mean, they're not even like, are they even making RGs now? <laughs> no. I mean, they have so, they, they have a very limited S line. They have some RGs and they're selling a lot of AZs. And they added four new ones. Yep. Um, with premium woods and all kinds of stuff. I, uh, I'm. It's exciting to see what Ibanez is doing. Um, their new baseline was the EHB, which is headless bass, right? I That's think we're it, going to see another launch at NAM that has not been announced as part of their 2020 line. I think so too, and I think it's going to be exactly what we what you said and we were yeah, thinking. I think we're going to get a headless guitar too. Yep. And I think the reason they didn't unveil it is because they want it to be the splash of the show. That's right. So you gotta you gotta hold something. So it, it's either gonna be them or it's gonna be Schechter. And Schechter doesn't have a headless guitar yet or a bass. No. But I wouldn't be surprised if they don't show up with one. Because at this point, that is becoming and, and here I got evidence that this is becoming the feature du jour for Kiesel. Uh and as like nobody can compete with him. Because because who else is doing this right now? Strandberg and Strandberg's designs are really unconventional. So right, if right. you're a, a play a creature of habit, Strandberg may not work for you. 
Uh, right. So here's what here's here's the thing. Uh, Kiesel came out with the Delos headless. They're not even bailing right. it anymore behind new model names, right? Like they were for a while. Nope. They had like the Zeus, which was supposed to be based on the Vanquisher or whatever. And yep. uh, the uh, Osiris, which is based on one of their other guitars. And, and so like you can go look the model heritage up. But now they're not even hiding it. The Delos is literally nope. a Stratocaster style guitar uh, with a sculpted neck, a, a neck heel and a freaking headless neck, right? And a headless right. ring. So um, they found their ditch. They have the star guitar too. I forget what the name of that one is. Uh, the the Model X or whatever. Um, that's a cool guitar too. And I yeah. I didn't like it initially when I saw it, but I've I've started to take a liking to that thing. I think I could play one of those, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spill a bunch of money on another guitar right now. I just I'm not right. prepared for it. Um, nope. But but I am waiting to see who comes out with the headless scar guitar from the major major manufacturers. I think it yeah. I, and again, I think that that Ibanez is the better bet, only because of what's happened. They with the are baseline. in direct competition with Kiesel right now. Look at That's their right. tops. They're doing everything that Kiesel is doing. That's right. That whole spalted uh, top thing. You know what's crazy? And I know I'm probably going to catch flack for this because somebody's going to argue with me. But Ibanez is putting out guitars. And they're copying Kiesel instead of the other way around. Yeah. Because it's always been the other way around. Kiesel was always kind of knocking off other guitars and then putting them under their own label so they could sell them as a custom thing. That's right. And now it's but now kind of it's... the other way around. Yeah. They started doing the the crazy burl walnut stuff with the like thick tops and the acrylic fill and all that. They started doing the um the exotic like zebra wood and, and purple heart and the the five stripe back of the neck so that, you know, it's more stable and all this different stuff. And like Ibanez was always kind of looking at those things and they even incorporating some of those things like the walnut stripes and all that. But the, the what got me was when they started doing that Iron Label series where they had the bevel, like the deep Kiesel bevel thing. And yep. Kiesel obviously is looking at the boutique metal guitar market and that's where they're getting a lot of their ideas from. But Ibanez isn't copying them they're watching kiesel steal their thunder and they're going oh crap we got to keep yeah. up we got to get ahead of this yeah so they've got they've incorporated the hip shot bridges they've also gone after sir which is interesting that they made the decision to go after <laughs> sir now kiesel is also going after sir um i think it's, it's really wild to watch these companies compete this is good for the market though i want to make this very clear when yep. you see these guitars that are very similar but they all have like different feature sets and they're available at different price points and different quality levels. That's good for the consumer. And so we can't be mad about Ibanez trailing behind or, or Kiesel trailing behind or you know whoever else. And actually, Schechter is the one dark horse in all this that if they started to produce some more like Stratocaster-like guitars, they could go for Sir too. And, yeah. and I think they are the more interesting choice for me if, if they were to, to try to make a Sir killer. Yeah, um, but definitely. You know what's funny? I found out something the other day that I didn't know. Sir had Ford produced guitars. They had an import line. They did. Yeah, let me look it up. Because uh, I know it's. They did a run of guitars that came out of. Uh, it's called Ramses. Rasmus. No. Okay. Rasmus. So Rasmus. Um, I'm sorry. 
so it's like Rasmus by Sir, right? Right. Um, it was temporarily made available by Sir. They were built overseas. I think they were built in Korea, but I could be wrong on that. Um, and then they were shipped to the Sir factory in California, where they're disassembled, meticulously inspected for quality control, and then uh, plucked. And they reassembled, wow. reassembled, set up by Surtex, and being shipped out to stores. Um, people love these guitars. They go, they go on reverb all the time, and they are dirt, dirt cheap. I'm looking at a Sir Rasmus S200, which is a Floyd Rose yep. equipped six string guitar, for six hundred and fifty dollars on reverb. Jeez, um, these guitars were not super popular. They just weren't. Um, and I kind of wonder. So here, <laughs> this kills me. So here's a uh, Sir Rasmus M100, $923 on reverb right now. This one is even better. This is a Sir Rasmus Guthrie Govan 2012 Satin Natural, $1,086. Yep. And it ships for the UK, so the shipping's outrageous. It's 200 bucks. But honestly, like, I know a lot of people that would love to have a Guthrie Govan uh, Sir. Guess who? Guess who has come to Gibson? Uh, who's who's making the, oh um shoot yeah uh, phil x yeah phil x moved over to gibson which yep. is like the biggest like i don't really give a shit news ever i yeah i, I i'm not saying that it's good or bad i think it's good for gibson obviously does that just mean that um, Remus's artist department is so bad that he decided to go to gibson instead i think it's because i mean we've heard the story look at his, look at his signature Look at his signature, know, Primus. What do you think? I know. What do you think is coming? You you got a slash Les Paul line. Get, what's what's going to come? You're going to have a whole um, uh, SG line for for. Uh, I just don't want. I, I do not want a Phil X signature. Or anything? Can we? I can we back up for a minute. Let's let's have a conversation here. All right. Artist artist collection from Gibson, right? And I'm sure this is not reflective of their entire roster. There's yes. an Alvin Lee ES-335. Alvin Lee's not really known for playing Gibsons. No. As a matter of fact, there's an Alvin Lee. That's what's weird. Uh, there's yeah. an Alvin Lee. Um, who is it? Uh, music Man? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that everybody he, thinks of. That's pretty much closer to what... Um, now he had a he had a, a 335, but yep. I can tell That's you right now that, that is people... not the guitar people associate with him. Okay, no slash. So let's look at the artist. I'm, I'm not okay. Slash. slash 1966 1275 double neck guitar. Yep. Yeah, I get it, but I mean, I honestly see that more being identified with Jimmy Page, Cheryl Crow, Western Country or, uh, Country Western Supreme. Okay, so there's an artist yeah. that, that makes sense to have on the roster. Slash. Shell Crow. Yeah. Chuck Berry, yeah. he's dead. Uh, but no disrespect, it sense. No disrespect but it does make sense. Uh, yeah. Chris Cornell, also dead. Again, he was a Gibson Again, player. Again, 335. Yeah. Joan Jett, ES-339. No, oh, that's God. not something I think of when I think of Joan Jett. I think of a melody maker. That's what I think but of she, when I think of Joan But should she even be like an artist roster person? I mean, that's... Yeah, she was She was a melody maker player yeah, for, I for guess. her whole time. I guess. So Michael Clifford. I don't even know who this person is. I don't even know who Dave Amato. I, I sort yep. of know He makes he sense. Is, but I just... I mean, like he's been doing it. He's been doing it. And he's been collecting um, 
uh, Les Paul since the seventies, and he was with Ario Speedwagon. Well, I kind of well, you know what I, he is with Ario Speedwagon. Can I be Speedwagon. honest with you? I think this guitar is actually the um, uh, who's the guy from Journey? I forget his name. Uh, I'm having a moment. oh yeah, I think this so. This is too. really his model that they just put David Amato's name on it. Neil, yeah, yeah. So, Neil Sean. Yeah, Neil Sean. And yeah. and and so uh, Neil Sean leaves. He goes into PRS. And they're like, well, we gotta we got all these Floyd Roses. We gotta do something with them. Hey, hire yep. Dave Amato likes Floyd Roses on a, on a Les well, Paul. Let's give them to him for well for a while. Guess who's guess whose line that was? That exact same guitar, pretty much. That was that was Alex Lifeson. Yeah, yeah. The the access standard was Alex Life's. All right. Became so the Eric, the Eric Clapton Firebird. What? <laughs> I would I would say an Eric Clapton SG. I was hoping we were going to get to this one. Oh my gosh! An Eric Clapton Les Paul. Yeah, I mean, but an Eric Clapton. I can just picture Eric Clapton playing like you know, uh, Crossroads on a Firebird, or uh, I could picture Eric Clapton playing you know uh, Layla on a Firebird. No, All right, I'm not the no! I'm not the hugest Clapton fan, okay? But I did listen to a lot of Clapton, and I can say this: I knew his, I knew, his, I knew three eras: SG, Les Paul, Stratton. You know what's funny is those are the those he are had the a three thirty five too, and that three thirty five is super like that was used on a lot of stuff, um, which makes a lot more sense than the three thirty five at the top for Alan Lee. <sighs> Although I guess the '69 festival, that is when he's when he famously. Oh, he used does play. No, he does play a 335, but that is not yeah. the guitar you identify with, Alvin Lee. No, no. But I'm just saying that the, the, that '69 festival, that is when he played. It. Leroy okay, Parnell, '59 so Les Paul standard. Yep, Leroy Parnell. That is that. Okay, that does. Right. Brian that Ray, '62 SD Junior. Who the hell is that? I don't know. I don't know. I was who Brian you can tell me. Now, nope. bear in mind, these are all these are like signature artist collection guitars. Yeah. So yeah, and they and they change every year, pretty much. They they want what fifty? They, they, these are these range from like three thousand all the way up to like yep. thirteen. Yeah, Joan Jets. Well, the the um, Michael Clifford Melody Make. Who the heck is Michael Clifford? <laughs> I would have put I would have put Joan Jet. On the Michael Clifford model, because at least Joan Jett would make sense. She was a melody maker, but her melody maker got stolen. Gibson you, remade dude, her dude, melody maker. Do you know what's funny? Is you click on the Michael Clifford signature melody maker, and you figure they uh-huh. would explain who Michael Clifford is, but they don't. No, just as Michael Clifford and Gibson have collaborated in the course of a few world tours to develop a signature model guitar. Who does That's he play his, for? His fans are so rabid; they don't need to be. Told I just want to know who he plays for. Who he is. But at least, at least the one that that well, his is the most um, uh, budget conscious, and his is cheap. Yeah, well, it looks like shit. I, I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> I mean, you might have heard I actually it, but like, I didn't say it. But I actually like Joan Jett's three thirty nine. So we got a um, we got a dot in the store the other day, and I thought, oh, this dot. No, uh, they're you know, not, I'm not a big. They're not. I tell you what, opened it up. Wow, it sang like a bird. It was it was absolutely beautiful. It was a black one, but anyway, yeah. I, I, I honestly, when I think of Cheryl Crow, you know what I think of bass. I hate to say it. Yeah. I mean, yes, she plays a, a, a country western supreme. I do know she plays that, but what are, I think of bass playing. What are they using? On are they even making basses anymore? I have no idea. Possibly. Oh wait. Yep, they they're making bases. It's the Evo. 
Yep, the Thunderbird Evo. And the Thunderbird's relatively, I guess, in, the, in that scheme. That's a pretty well-liked well, well liked base, too. Um, yeah. The Flying V. I, I mean, I'm, I I actually think that they're attractively priced right now. Um, I'm seeing yep. them around here for like $1,700. And I'm seeing them locally for... I, I've seen it locally for as little as 1100 $900. Well, I, I mean the current one, like a new one, right? Oh. So... Um, but I, can't, about I, I in the pictures I'm looking at on their website right now because I'm here. I can't tell what the hell their uh, their neckwood is or their their fretboard material. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go look at the specs. It, it, yeah, what is it? Neck material, mahogany, of course. Apparently, it's rosewood, but it looks purple. Yep. Ain't no rosewood I've ever seen is that purple. That's a bad photograph. Yeah, so that's another guitar that if you look, if you grab last year's model. You can find a last year's model. You can get a really good deal. See, I would love to have a flying V, but I know I'll never play the damn thing. You know, the only one that I think I would get yeah. that's weird shape like that is Explorer. I think I would buy it. Except Explorer. that Jim has had uh, had the, the flying V2. I've had the Thunderbird. Yeah, the flying V2. I've had the I've had the flying V2, and I would if I could get, but that's not a that's not a model they'll ever make again. I would have to buy that used model. You need an Explorer B2. That that looks like your that's right up your alley. That's your jam. What's that? The Explorer B2? B2? No, thank you. I would get the original Explorer 17 R. Well, they just call it the James Hadfield model. Yeah. What the B2? Yeah. yeah I don't know what, what the hell like. they were thinking there. It's like, uh, this I, is James Hetfield's signature. We'll just uh we'll paint it, we'll just call it something else now so we can make it part of the regular line. Nope, I just go to the regular old Explorer, seventeen hundred bucks. Do you know what I hate? And then we've talked about this on the show before. I want like so they have the sixty, the sixty-one SG standard, right? That's yep. eighteen hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. For what? It's ridiculous. What are you giving me that you get? You know what you get for eighteen hundred dollars that you don't get for the the fifteen hundred of the other one. This is what's ridiculous. So you get the sixty-one classic pickups, right? <laughs> And you get, um, which is not worth three hundred. No, not at all. Not even, not even worth one. Extra I've never dollar. heard a single person a, say it was worth it. Nope. And the other one um, is the the neck joint joins at a different place. You know what? Now that I look at, it, I just realized they don't have a reasonably priced SG. Oh no, they do. The SG standard is fifteen hundred. The SG standard fifteen hundred, yeah. and it. And that's the one I bought before I was getting a. Um, I mean, a I would probably so, get. I would probably still go for a sixty-one, but the thing is, I. I mean, four hundred dollars no. difference or three hundred dollars difference is crazy. Why would I pay? Why would for I less pay plastic, for the for less plastic and a, and a shittier neck joint? Exactly, the neck joint is worse. <laughs> Why would I buy the jam? Why would jam. I, if I really We're wanted those pickups? You and I are wrong. Lots of sixty-one, <laughs> sixty-three SGs did not form neck humps <laughs> and separate yeah, we're, that joint. We're totally wrong about yeah, that. That did not happen. This is not a historical fact. And and people have been saying about for Gibson for years, and and they've been wrong. Yeah. So what they did with the with the standard was they put the four ninety RT in there. So right. is the 61 pickup worth now if I have to go out and buy them myself, 
Yes, it's worth it because I have to spend another. No, it's bucks. not because you could go to you can go to Nick Bonders at Great Lakes Guitar Pick. I was just going to say, Nick Bonders can make me a better sixty-one. And he 60, can make you, you know, a better pickup RP. than anything Gibson produces today. I mean, it's right. just a fact, folks. <laughs> and they and they have the uh, orange strap capacitors. Yeah. But if you go, <laughs> and that's the thing. But that that's just it. I'm not saying that it's better. I, I'm saying that there's no point in spending the extra money. Right. Right. No. I used to be the guy when I would get the uh, when I would get like the Guitar Center catalog or whatever. I'd look at the pickups and I'd go, "Oh, Gibson pickups! Like these are great. I want some Gibson pickups." And then one day I just snapped out of it. I was like, "Wait a minute! What the hell? Why are there why are there humbuckers like a hundred bucks when they were back when everybody's humbuckers were like fifty bucks? Like because they had the Gibson yeah. name on it. There was no other reason for it. It's the same production pickup you could get in one of their guitars." And at the time, most people were gutting their guitars and putting Seymour Duncan's in. That's right. And and three seconds worth of your time, you could you could put in the orange shop capacitors and about what two dollars? It's not the it's the not the orange drops. So you're talking about the uh, the bumblebees. Well, I'm talking about the ones they put in the sixty ones. I'm not talking about. I thought those were bumblebees. No, they said orange. Yeah, uh, they could say what they want, but the ones everybody wanted were the were their bumblebees. That's right. That's what I'm saying. You could order the the you could order a set of sixty eight or uh, all right CPS pots. I've had all of the Gibson guitars I've owned converted to fifties wearing, and if it's got four pots, I do the fifties wearing thing. And I got to tell yeah. you right now, I don't think the capacitor means dick. I think it's no. all about the, and, the way that it's wired up, um, and how it how that interacts with you know your amplifier and and the fact that like. It cha- it does change the way the, the guitar operates, and it changes the yep. the uh, capacitance of the pickups because they're loading each other and all that stuff. Um, yep. And I think that makes more sense than a paper and oil cap or you know the the whole like bumblebee thing. And and try it, you know. I I know yep. people who've done it with with modern parts and have been totally happy. Um, my main thing is I want the pickups to act like they did back then because I played some old guitars that I really liked. Um, oh, and that's the other thing. For some reason, you have to go to the $1,800 model, get a heart shell case. Why would you Are sell they still an selling STs with soft shells? With soft shell case. You know, and that's what's funny is because I know if it's that same gig bag that they were giving out years ago. It oh, is. It's, it's a gun. It's a gun case. No, no, it's not the gun case. It's the uh, new uh, brown leather. Oh, yeah, that's much better. That's much better. Because they were giving out this bag before that I swear up yes, and down would break case. your guitar. Yeah, I would literally never put an SG into those gun I cases. Think I, put, I think I put mine in it one time just yeah. to get it home from the store or something. Um, because that thing was like, here, let's take a guitar with an angled headstock and let's put it in a bag that's going to put stress on the headstock. On the headstock. Like, yeah. What are you let's thinking? Let's put it in a bag that pulls it this way. That's smart. I, I don't know what Gibson was thinking with those. Oh, they were hoping cases. that you would throw all your garbage from the from the box and stuff into that case and then throw it in the river. Yeah. I all I know is, like I said, I, thank goodness for my guitar center discount because I'm going to buy an SG <laughs> case for my SG. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Just, just get a just get a universal case. Screw it. You don't need a you don't need a case fit for the guitar anymore. Nobody does that anymore. I mean, hell, I know people who don't buy hard cases anymore. They just buy mono bags. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. 
feel like. So I got my Kiesel, right? I wish I could get a hard shell case for it. Um, and that's because, look, I know the bag's great, but there are times when you wouldn't be able to stack stuff. Right. That's the only downside of a uh, um, a bag. Stacking them is not really an option. Dude, it just dawned on me that like two days time or three days time, it's coming from Missouri, so it's going to be it's going to be a quick ship. Uh, uh-huh. I'm going to have a pedal board that I can literally take to just my guitar and my pedal board and go to open mics. I am yeah. ecstatic right now because wheeling my cart into the, into some of these places. It's just kind of a pain in the ass. It's not actually that it's not taking it to the gig. It's not setting up on the, on the gig. You know what bothers me the most when you get home at like two o'clock or 11 between 11 and two. And you're like, yep. God damn it. I have to carry it in the house. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. It is the worst feeling in the world. This is why musicians get their, their stuff stolen all the time. That is the yeah. sole reason why musicians get their stuff stolen all the time. Yeah. Because, because even when you are bringing it in and out of the house or bringing it in and out of the, the venue, yeah. mostly, you, it, and, and a lot of these guys, they're not like us. They don't live in houses. They live in apartments. So well, I live in a condo. It's the same thing. Well, you live in a condo. It's an apartment. Yeah, it's the same so thing. It, so part of your gear, unless you can get it all on your back at the same time, part of your gear is going to sit in an unmanned car. I leave the for, unattractive stuff that nobody wants to steal in the car. So the first yeah. thing that comes in the house with me is my guitar. The next thing is my amplifier, which is usually in my hands. Think about it. You're either going to leave it alone on the stage or you're going to leave it alone in the car. Yeah, at least on the stage, I can see it with my eyes. I go down yeah. them stairs. I can't see anything in my place. And then it's, you know, it's it's out of my hand. You know, I just looked, I just looked at the modern SG. Yeah. There's something I never noticed yeah, about it's it. It's ugly. It has 20. Other than that, it has 24 frets. Yeah, the, I do that already. What? Yeah. Yeah. Let's make the neck even less stand, um, stable by putting 24 frets. What are you thinking? Well, I think it's a veneer on the top anyway. So, uh, uh, true. So, my guess is that they are using the later neck joint, joint that was more stable. But, you know, here, here, here lies a problem. So, they put a 24 fret neck on this guitar, they miss an inlay. Um, which they yep. missed the, yep. the 20, I guess it's the 23rd fret inlay, um, which should yep. have a trapezoid there. And then yep. my, my other complaint with those guitars is nobody ever asked for a 24th fret on an SG. Nope. Like, Never. you get 22 frets, and let's face it, uh, it's got the best fret axis of pretty much any guitar on earth. I mean, I mean, yep. they much, even PRS rivals you know, like, does it rival this? They, their neck axis is great, but this is the, the SG is the thing that, that everybody emulates. And it's really funny yep. because here we go. We're going to take advantage of that by adding two more frets that no one asked for. Because, yep. because and it's not, you know what, for those of you that are listening, you're like, well, what's wrong with having two more frets? There's nothing wrong with having two more frets. The, pro- the problem is you have to move the pickup to do it. Yep. And so, what have you just done? You changed this. You just it made. Does not sound like an SG right. anymore. Nope. So it is no longer the thing I can, I can sort of miss. Miss my SG, but yeah. I'm not going to buy another SG. So you're not. Nope. Definitely not. Not until I get a vintage one. Till you get one. Till I get a vintage one. Dude, dude, yeah. the vintage ones are too cheap to buy a new one. 
way too cheap. So I've been looking at a lot of Les Pauls. I can find an older Les Paul. Super inexpensive. As long as I'm okay buying a player. Yeah. I'm, glad I'm looking. See if I can pull up some prices on some like old, yep. old SGs. So I'm, I would be looking for like a 70s. No, I would be. I, who am I kidding? If I'm buying an SG, I'm going right to the 60s. Like I will buy a right. true vintage one. And Dang. here's one, 4,200. And what uh, year? It's a 69. Big, big guard. And I, I like the big guards. You want a small guard, you're going to pay, right? I've seen him go for 10000 But you can get yep. the big guard ones for like late 60s for like a couple grand. I mean, it's crazy. And I see these yeah. people buying these guitars, you know, these, these new SG standards for like half that. And I'm going, why are you even bothering? Just save up the money and get the vintage one because it'll be yeah. way better anyway. Here's a here's so, SG standard, 1966, vintage cherry. Single, uh, the the small small guard, it's considered to be in poor condition, thirty five hundred. But it's in poor condition. You know what that is? Head stock break. Yeah. Yep. Pickups are not pickups are not installed. It looks like, but yeah, that's like nothing. I can buy a birth year Gibson SG for thirty one hundred dollars. Yeah, dude. I, that that's just crazy. Here's a '67 standard with hard hard show case. They did rip out the bridge pickup, three grand. Yep. So I can I can literally buy my my year uh, SG for less than less than thirty three hundred. There's a whole bunch of them. There's SGs. There's SG Juniors. There's with the Vibrola. Dude, here's a '68 or '69 in the original case. 1960s vintage. It's it's an it's a 60 or 69. It has original pickups. It's all original. Has the Maestro Vibrola and everything. They're asking four grand. It's yeah. in really good shape. It's in Jacksonville, Florida. This is this is what kills me. So Gibson says I'm going to put out new SGs, and then they price them so that they're not even really competitive with with the vintage stuff because that's what the that's what everybody yeah. wants is a vintage guitar. When you buy a right. Gibson or <clears throat> you want an old one. <laughs> I can get a Gibson SG built in the year I graduated high school for eight hundred dollars. <laughs> a nineteen eighty where I graduated high school for eight hundred dollars too, Jim. A nineteen eighty two shut up. <laughs> Yours is a lot closer <laughs> than mine. A 1982 vintage USA Gibson made um, uh, SG Ferrari Red for seven hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety. Wait, Jim, Jim. Uh, plus fifty dollars. So you graduated in 1982. Yes. You graduated two years before I was born. I said that. I said I was old enough to be your dad. I know. Well, you've been having kids young then. Damn. I I actually. Um, no, I had I had my my daughter was when I was thirty one. Yeah, I know. I was, oh, it was because you were thinking, saying you could be my dad. You did. You've been twenty two. <laughs> now a, an eighty two SG white with gold hardware, nineteen hundred bucks. I could buy that for the price of a brand new SG sixty five, antique ivory. Uh, looks all original, four grand. 
Not yeah. even a standard color. I was one. All right. <laughs> one last thing. Uh, because we're going, we're we're heading. Now wait, wait. Hard. Before the last okay, thing, sure. before the last thing, I found my color of of Les Paul. And it is actually called the appetite for destruction. Yeah, I know. That's what's weird. And so I'm wondering. It's just super, super light. It's like, that was the burst. It went, they literally went at it. Yeah, they they literally, um, I'm looking at one right now. It's tiger striped and all the coloring that they're showing is like. No, it doesn't even look like there's a color applied, but there there, there is because because I I remember uh, I talked to a Gibson rep one time about it. But yeah, go ahead. I know. Go ahead. The the only difference with mine, their their tiger stripes suck because Slash's name on it. Well, there's that, <laughs> and it's not trying to be Slash's. Mine does not have the dark red stripes. But, there's right. their stripes seem to be dark right. red. Listen, this is this is the irony of this. Slash's famous Les Paul, the one they used to do Appetite for Destruction. Because he's got many yep. Les Pauls, many that are famous, right? That's the correct. famous one that he used to do that record is not was a Gibson. Not a Gibson. Was not a Gibson. <laughs> yet yet they're right. making the appetite for destruction Les Paul. What the hell? Like, this is asinine. It's just the color. Again, mine is, mine is still different, but it, that's the closest I can come. So this white, I might have to buy this white SG <laughs> from 1982. All right. All right. All right, go well, ahead. You had one more. John Bott brought up. Uh, he he called into question the pyramid of tone, and I'm here to say he we're did. not going to mess with it. Uh, it's <laughs> it's not changing. Yep. And but but we are going to do some experimentation with what he was asking about, which is how does fr frs fit into the mix now? And uh, that's true. I had a rebuttal in the group. I'll I'll, I'll share it on the show. Uh, basically, I don't perceive. So when you use a digital device, Helix, Axe FX, Kemper, you know, whatever, uh, to emulate yep. the sound of a speaker and a cabinet and the microphone in the room, um, yep. you're not emulating. All right. So you're replacing the analog real world equivalents with a digital thing. So that's the way I look at it is that those same principles still apply. You're just not doing it analog. You're doing it digitally. Um, so, you know, like your speakers still matter more than your. And and actually, when I did, when I came up with the idea of the pyramid of tone and we talked about it on the show, that's kind of where I was thinking was like in the digital domain, you can play with all these things and you can see how important they are. You know what I mean? And so that's why I kind of backed off and I went, no, I'm actually this is the, the pyramid's precise. It is what it is, because I really do believe that your speakers, your cabinet your amplifier, your effects pedals, and your guitar are the core elements of how you make your sound. And then the other things play into that, like strings and all that stuff too. But my, yep. my point is that when you when you do, like let's say the, the Kemper cab, people are pissed off because the Kemper cab is not powered, right? Um, right. That relates to this directly because essentially what they're saying is, well, it needs to be powered because that's an amplifier and that's how we want to get our, get our sound. But the reality is most people who are using those devices are going direct and they're using those devices to substitute a speaker cabinet and speakers 
and a microphone and a space, yep. right? So they're so they're replacing That's right. those components in their chain. They might be monitoring That's on right. stage with something, but they're not. The ones who are upset are the ones that are like trying to slave it into a power amp, and then run a real cabinet yep. like super loud on stage, just like they did when they had their marshals. That's yep. not really what those devices are intended for, and so you're no. gonna feel starved, and that's how they feel, and that's that's you know it doesn't sound like an amp in the room. Well, of course not. You, you, you're emulating you're emulating a microphone first off. When was the last time you heard a sound on a record that sounded like an amp in the room? Uh, never. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, Nick, Nick, and don't tell me about that live album because that was still a mic, Nick, Nick in a really big Nick, room. But it's still a mic. They brought works. it up in the group. He said, "He said no, no digital simulation is as good as real speakers." And I, who said that? I disagree. I disagree one hundred percent because he he's right by to to a good extent. They don't sound like real speakers when you use a digital emulation. No. But what they do sound like is a repeatable thing. And so I've right. been I, I over the lifetime of me playing guitar, I've been in some situations where I put a I put a microphone in front of my cabinet and I was thrilled. And then I've done the same thing in different rooms with a different microphone or the same microphone or a different position or whatever, and been like, what the hell? And and it all boils down to this consistency. So if, right. That's what I was going to say. You know how it's going to sound tomorrow. That's right. As it did that's yesterday. Right. And so um, it's not just that. There's a reliability aspect to it as well. Uh, sure, if you're going to do it old school, and for what Nick does, uh, playing, you know, he's playing with a Kiss tribute right now, and he's done other things over the years yep. as well. Like that may work better for him to have a true analog rig, um, because he prefers the 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 feedback level generated and the feel of it. Um, yeah. But if you can get away with digital, it's repeatable. I mean that. I, That's right. That in of in and of itself is like. Whoa, you know, and then of course the fact that things don't break—that's kind of nice. Yep. yep. Um, and the we all know Nick has a bunch of fake cabs, which should tell you something right there. It's more convenient to have yeah. a modeling device. Um, and, and, and as a reminder, Nick does Nick does use cabs at home, but he uses a Tech Twenty One Fly Rig live. So yep, into the PA. He may be splitting yep. off to a cab. No, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not trying to drag him through the mud. But yes, he no. is right. No, he is right. I, I really do believe that speakers are probably still a better option uh, for most folks. Yep. Um, but if you're yep. using a modeler, this is what this is what kills me. So like the the people are all ticked because the Kemper cab is not coming with a power amp. Well, it's not intended for anything but the powered the powered Kemper rack or the powered Kemper head. <laughs> It's not meant to be used with a line six device. It's not meant right. to, to amplify anything else. It is designed for the Kemper because the Kemper software will actually be able to drive speaker emulation out of it. And on right. top of that, um, so I don't know that, I mean, I kind of like the bring your own amp to the party sort of thing. Like find your own neutral power amp that you feel comfortable with. Uh, I right. actually kind of like that. But the other thing is the people that are really pissed are the ones that bought the, the Kemper stage because they think the Kemper stage needs to be amplified. You're doing it wrong. That device was never yep. supposed to be amplified like that. Try it. Don't plug it. I, and I've seen people very, in various groups. I'm plugging it into the return of X. Yeah, if yep. you like the sound, fine. But I'm telling you, 
you're not really getting the full force of what that thing's capable of doing. Plug it into an FRFR system and see what happens. Because exactly. um, that's that's so, really what I'm getting at here. So John Bott's question, you know, do FRFR systems affect this? Do they have a separate place in the in the hierarchy of film? No, because they're supposed to be neutral sound systems. And that's right. that's if you got a good FRFR system, it's just reproducing the digital model of the real deal. Um, yep. So just remember that. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I, I am going to experiment with it. I'm. I'm planning on getting. As I brought up earlier, I'm going to get that probably the head rush. Uh, I'm going to get the small one. I'm going to get the eight inch. I think. Um, and yep. I want to experiment with that and using it as a monitor device, and so I can comment on this further. But I don't think the coloration because I play a lot of open mics so they all have different sound systems, and the coloration is minimal. I mean, it, it, yep. you can hear a difference. But what they're doing at the board is a lot more important than what's going on out of the speaker because exactly. they're meant to be neutral. So it's all about the EQ and, and even some to some extent the cables are using to run the setup and all that. So yep. anyway, uh, we're – yeah, we're we're done. We're, we're at done. two hours. So, uh, we're Jim, in. We're done. I've been Jim. I've been David. And we've been impractical guitar players. No, I've been today. practical. I'm sure. Oh. Ha, <laughs>